Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. All right, y'all, welcome to or back to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, where we are on a metabolic mission to help people achieve vitality and reverse chronic lifestyle conditions. How do we do it? Real whole foods, sound healing practices, and the pleasures of the table. Thank you so much to those of you who have already supported me, either by reviewing this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Also, for those who've left Amazon reviews, it uh, tickles me pink, as we would say in the South, and it also helps spread the word. We just simply have too many people who are suffering, and that is my ultimate goal, is to share the news of how some people, how some of us have improved our health using the aforementioned three principles. So today, I have a very special guest. Before I became a metabolic health and fitness coach, I worked for 20 years in the wine industry. So some of my favorite people to hang out with are farmers, chefs, and winemakers. And today I have Tom Scannell, who is a farmer in Lee County, which is just above me. I live in Collier County. We're both in South, South Florida. We met when I was on a camping trip with my family on Pine Island. It was Memorial Day 2020, and I rode my bike past this farm, and I went, oh my gosh, my husband was like, great, now we're going to spend half the vacation at this farm, and she's going to be annoying the hell out of this guy, (laughs) asking him about his soil practices, and um, we, in short, we had a blast, Um, and you, Tom, introduced me to one of my favorite books of all time. I think you gave this to me, actually. It's Everything I Want to Do is Illegal. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being a guest today. Well, thanks for having me, Dixie, and and thanks for your your purpose and and what you're doing because it's it's sorely needed. And uh, yeah, we are metabolically dying. It's, It's evident everywhere, and yet people are still going through the drive-throughs. I, I don't understand it, but hopefully with people like you educating, I think the key is education. Well, and also the key is those nourishing whole foods. So tell us about Pine Shine. One of my favorite things, other than just the experience of being there and the food itself, are your corny jokes on your Friday emails. Oh, like last well, like amnesia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's all due to Joanna, my my right hand, my my right brain. So um, she she comes up with those. So um, I, my sense of humor is limited, unfortunately, but she's got a great sense of humor. Um, but Pine Shine Farms was uh, established um, seven or eight years ago, and uh, I I've been a farmer my whole life. You know, soil science and chemistry major at the University of Wisconsin. I was a crop farmer for for two decades raising cotton rice soybeans corn wheat 
And um, so I was literally raised and educated and indoctrinated with the Monsanto spoon in my mouth. And uh -huh. I didn't I didn't really know any different. And, uh, you know, it was production economics. It was economy of scale and it was maximum um, profitability, um, regardless of the resources that you were utilizing or exploiting. Um, uh, I pivoted into the nursery business and moved to Florida um, and, and grew uh, the largest Bougainvillea nursery in mm. the country for about 18 years. Um, started a fertilizer business during that path um, as a result of not being able to find any um, really nutrient dense food products for my plants that that made them thrive. You know, it's kind of a niche Bougainvillea. So we did that and then did other species specific products as well, still doing that. And that pivoted me into the, the human health component. And uh, this farm over here, which uh, was a citrus grove, got canker. Then we transitioned to nursery. When I sold the nursery, um, it was kind of about the same time that uh, forced mandatory health insurance came out. And I said, no, no, no. And so I thought, well, I, I better start taking better care of myself because I can't afford to get ill. And so that's when I dove down the, the rabbit hole of, of health and regenerative agriculture. And I literally went 180 degrees um, because my whole, you know, I had my first soybean crop when I was 17 years old. And wow. so I didn't know any different, um, but then I did. I, I started to begin to learn not only through functional medicine, um, biodynamics, um, Joel Salatin um, and, and uh, Michael Pollan, all these people that I've discovered and and uh, I'm grateful for for teaching me and, and putting out like you're putting out with your stuff, and um, and uh, I I've just come 180, uh, uh, and so I like to use the term beyond organic farm because organic has been bastardized by definition, just like so many things are these days in in the mainstream. They just change the definition, whether it's a recession or a vaccine, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, we who knows what it actually so I, I like to use the word regenerative agriculture and where um and i, I really like um it's it's all about health your health the animal's health the environment's health and for me personally um because of the way i was brought up and my mother it's about beauty um i think beauty is as important as love in our lives and in our in our landscapes and i don't think we could we could survive without it and you know it, it transcends religions borders economies uh cultures everything beauty is so important and and i, I i'm i'm all about beauty in, in every way and then finally permanence like uh you know we just we have these resources and we're using them, but we're not really quantifying them. And so when you go to Costco and buy your ham from China, you know, you, it's just price. We, somehow, and I don't know what the answer is, but people need to realize or somehow we need to incorporate the true cost of that product, you know. Um, so that's a lot I just said, and I apologize. I, I'll ramble. But um, so, yeah, it's about it's about beauty it's about permanence and um yeah yeah i love it that is uh that is not an elevator speech that is from the heart <laughs> 20 is. years in pr you haven't memorized my note cards so good because i used <laughs> to tell my clients i don't want it memorized it's got to come from the heart <laughs> yeah. so 
Pine Shine, my experience there, I mean, first and foremost, you, you talk about beauty of the landscape. I mean, it, it is gorgeous there, so natural, but also so many different kinds of animals. When I was there, I remember you had new with piglets is that I mean that's what they're called in Charlotte's web <laughs> you you had a mama pig who had just given birth and it was just it was stunning to just see nature in front of us so tell us about what you uh you elevate you know is it mostly animals that's my understanding but are you growing other produce as well right so yeah I am um, I've been in in plants my whole life and um when I when I kind of transitioned out of that commercial agriculture, um, I I always wanted to do the, the animal agriculture. And um, I always, and then I learned about the regenerative. And, and so one of my goals was to figure out how, how to um, create profit on a small enterprise in farming, which is, which is difficult. And, um, and uh, and and I wanted to do animals because of the, the rabbit holes I'd been diving down in the health sector with elimination diets, uh, uh, keto, carnivore, uh, nutrient dense foods, um, and 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 the downsides of of vegetables of you know oxalates and 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 phytic acids and and, and of course gluten's and. Um, and lectins and, and, and all these anti-nutrients and actually kind of insecticides that plants use to protect themselves that were imbibing and causing all kinds of, of, of trouble. And anyway, so I'm like, okay, let's let's do the meat thing in a, in a, in a humane way, in a, a small scale profitable way, in a way that stays, keeps it local. Um, let's decentralize agriculture. That's mm. that's a big thing I'm interested in. Um, not only uh, to make your community more resilient, but to make the country more resilient, to make your health more resilient. To, I mean, people spend more time choosing their mechanic than they do where their Ooh. food comes from. Do you know? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they take better care of their car than their body and you can replace that engine, but uh, I don't know. I don't think I want a heart transplant or anything. So um, it, uh, anyways, that's, that's how it all began. And so I experimented with a, a bunch of different species for profitability, ease of production. Um, and uh, you know, after about three or four years of doing everything from ducks to layers to chickens to turkeys, cows, um, pigs. Um, I, I came to the conclusion and, and uh, I, I came up against the constraint of, and I'm a farmer, I'm not a marketer. So, you know, if I had, you know, gotten a master's in marketing from somewhere um maybe i could have done a better job but i i would get these costco walmart people and if there was a crack in the conversation i would i i, I learned that i you can't change people's minds unless mm. there's there's an opening to, to have the discussion and and so one of my lines I, I would like to say is you know what price cancer, right? So you know you always hear the thing where oh he works his whole life or she works her whole life you know she has a family she makes money you know uh, she retires at sixty five or seventy 
and ha and wants to live life and loses her health. And, and so my point is, I, I, like you said, thy food is thy medicine, Hippocrates. There's nothing more important really personally to me, to community, to resiliency, to national security, if you want to take it there, than food. And it ties us culturally uh, on a religious, you know, we come together to break bread. I mean, how profound can we go there forever? And so, yeah, um, your body will heal itself. It, it's the only thing that can heal you, but you have to give it what it needs. And and um, so regenerative agriculture, I think, is the way to go because not only does it heal a community, not only does it heal the body, um, but um, it heals the soil. It heals the land. Yes. And I want uh, I want to fix things. I, I love to restore cars. I love to restore homes. I love to restore farms. And 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 so it, you know if you can take that pasture and grow that grass and 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 make those roots go deep, and 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 um we call it mob grazing where we have paddocks and we move the cows every day or every other day or every third day depending on the time of year, and they sit there and they eat everything not just the dessert right the most palatable grass they end up eating everything, and they're walking around and they're you know they're defecating and urinating and and it's all going in the ground and, and the same when you raise chickens you move them every day, and and so uh, it's this intense kind of like it used to happen in nature when. Um, we, we went westward and explored the diaries of those guys. They would talk about, you know, carrier pigeons blot, blotting the sun yes. uh, for hours. And then they where they would light for the night, the next morning there would be three or four inches of manure, you know, just, and, 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 and so um, they're just trying to mimic nature. And, and the whole concept of, of ruminants, especially, especially, you know, here are these beautiful, beings, ruminants that can take sunlight uh, and, and we grow grass from sunlight, but long story short, you can take sunlight and make proteins and amino acids. And, and then we're fortunate enough to eat, to, to have them and, and they, they, they die for us. Right. And I don't know if that's an interpretation or a literal statement in the Bible, but I, I disagree with that. I think we are a higher formed species more cognitive ability and it's our duty you know there's no better mentor of the land than a farmer because he's typically preserving it for his family for the next generation and so um we have a duty to protect those non-renewable resources that soil that thin veneer that covers the earth that without it we would not exist and we're just destroying it. We're monoculturing it. We're fumigating it. We're not rotational uh, grazing it or cropping it. And, um, you know, glyphosate is literally like the nitrogen cycle now in, in chemistry or in the environment. The glyphosate gets sprayed. It goes in the ground. It gets evaporated. And then it's rained on, like in your yard, on you, on your children. And uh, glyphosate interrupts this amino acid process of making aminos in your gut. And, and we wonder why we're all sick and diabetic and obese. And it's, it's no wonder. Right. And so we're just, interrupting uh, nature. That's, yeah, you know, and yeah. your explanation is fabulous. You know, I'm just thinking of this circle of life and we have sort of 
stuck a pin in the <laughs> balloon circle and it's just sort of slowly coming down. And, uh, but it sounds like there's a way to improve. I mean, you're someone who's made a 180. I had to make a 180 in the way that I approached food and nutrition. I was always in that fat is horrible, animal foods, you should really minimize, yada, yada. But I was not vital. I was not well. You know, it's two authors. You may be aware of Nina Teichel's Big Fat Surprise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what a work of art. 10 years only it took her. Um, and then Dr. Kate Shanahan's Deep Nutrition. Those two really helped me see the light and, you know, ended up leaving my wine industry and <laughs> having a professional midlife crisis, which was totally worth it. But it's, it reminded me, I, I was reminded of that process that I had to go through when you talked about your upbringing and how you had to literally do a 180. And you, it's like this feeling, I imagine, if it's similar to my experience, like, I can't unsee this truth. I, I literally have to uproot myself, leave my industry, close my marketing agency and, and do this. So I'm curious. And a lot of people told me that I was crazy yeah. for doing that. Um, but that kind of talk to me just sort of spurs me on, quite frankly. So I'm curious for you, did you have naysayers, challengers, um, any pushback from your 180. Sure, ab absolutely, I including my internal dialogue. Like, Ooh, are, you, mm. are you an idiot, Tom, or, or what? But I, I was, um, you know, life is interesting as we evolve and pivot and grow and fall down. I, I like to call it failing forward. And, you know, mm. I, I really subscribe to a philosophy that, you know, perhaps you don't really learn unless you fail, unless you err. You know, if you're doing everything right, whatever you know you're not learning much but so pretty boring I, I like I like I like failing forward and and I like pushing that envelope but yeah people um uh have always doubted me um in in my endeavors I mean I, I'm a farmer I grew up in uh upper middle class midwest uh ivy league you know boarding school um mm. I was you know I was slated for you know, a, a profession of, you know, martini weekends and golf courses. Um, and I, I rejected that wholeheartedly at about sure 13, did. <laughs> 13 years old. And, uh, and uh, so that's kind of been my life story. And like, like you just alluded to, um, often what um, sparks my, my ATP, my mitochondria, my energy is people say you can't. Oh yeah, we'll watch. So I, I actually love that. You know, I love that, and and I thank them for it. I'm grateful for those people in my life, and and uh, because um, it just makes me stronger. So yeah, I'll, always, and 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 I I, I cherish it. You know, so. I love it. Fail forward. I uh, that is not only great business advice, but I I can see myself stealing that from you and saying that to my son next time we have a, a life well, challenge. I, I read that somewhere. I've come up with absolutely nothing. Well, you're sharing the news. So thank you. So yeah. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. What has been your greatest surprise about farming or, and maybe specific to Pine Shine? What, what's been an unexpected there? I guess it's been my awakening, you know, as, as I'm, as I'm growing, 
uh, with my education, with with business, you know, as I age, and 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 gain the wisdom wisdom of of time and truth, and 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 how we've lost the ability as a society to think critically and question everything. You know, uh, love or hate Ronald Reagan, but he said, trust but verify. I kind of like that. And mm -hmm. especially in, in today's world, I, I've been really um, flabbergasted by the notion that everything we've been taught, um, whether, you know, for the last 60, 70 years in, in science, commercial agriculture, um, even history, um, you know, the, the victor writes the history books, right? Um, sure. Has been wrong, has, has not been true. And we're, we're beginning, whether it's Nina or, or Joel Salatin or, um, you know, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is we're, we're finding these truths. And, and, and so I was very naive in that, uh, you know, I thought what I learned from, you know, PubMed or Lancet was true or Stanford University or, you know, uh, our political leaders, whatever it might be. I, I thought it was, I could take it as fact. Nope. Nope. You got to look at the, look look behind the scenes who's who's funding the food industry who's funding big pharma big um you know the, the revolving door between the government and big pharma or big ag you know the 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 meat processors there's four meat processors that control like over 90 percent of you know this the meat industry so one of them's wrong. from china one of them's from brazil and the other two are multinationals and so you know, there's that. And then there's the chemical industry, which is in intertwined with big pharma. You know, it's Bayer and BASF. And then there's two others. And, and then it's the food industry where it, there's lots of brands out there, but there's just four or five big players like Kraft right. and Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. And they're not in our best interest. They're exploiting us. They're using us. You know, I always like the the health paradigm um, today in that <clears throat> big, you know, medicine and, and these poor doctors that get educated and, and I think they mean well, and some of them are thinking critically, most of them are not, but, you know, we don't want Dixie to die. We just need you to be sick for the next 40 years, whether it's uh, autoimmune disease or diabetes or whatever. Um, you know, we have a pill that will mask the symptoms, won't cure you, won't go to the why, but it's very profitable. In fact, we don't want to know why, because that would end it and we would fix Dixie. So um, I, that's been my biggest um, thing is just kind of how, it, as it unfolds, as it continues to unfold, how, how horrible it actually is. So much bigger, 30,000 plus foot view than, wow, um, chickens are a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> On one hand, you know, you said your biggest um, surprise about farming, you know, I likened it to this 30,000 foot view deal because it wasn't, you know, 
oh, the chickens are a pain in the butt. It's, you know, it's more how much is wrong and how much you have had to do that 180. And so I'm just wondering, you know, that's a, a heavy thing to realize that so much of what you've been taught is just frankly false and, and, and that it's all these conglomerates, all this control, all this follow the money. So that's heavy, right? That doesn't feel great. I imagine <laughs> I have similar as it relates more to the food industry, but what do you do with that weight, that heaviness? How do you take that and create something that you can feel good about there at Pine Shine Farms? Yeah. So, um, um, like we talked about earlier, I've always kind of been outside the cultural norm. And so I like to do things differently and, 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 and I'm, I, I like to, um, rebel and so i think um um one of my acts of rebellion is um to be as healthy as i can to live as long a quality of life as i as i can and and that is my primary current mission right now and it just um um translates into food and agriculture as a result but like um uh you know for example, my, my latest endeavor is a cold plunge. So I, I have a freezer out here. It's at 41 degrees. I go in it for nine to 12 minutes, Ooh. once or twice a day. Yeah. The, the, the neoepinephrine and the dopamine that hits my brain, Dixie, I, I kid you not, um, besides the, the physical, you know, the, the shock proteins and, and, and all the good things that happen to your body, the constriction of heart uh, besides all that stuff, the physiological, the mental, I come out of that thing and I'm so happy. Yeah, there's and, no drug in the world that's going to make you feel that good, right? Oh, and, and you know, uh, I do a sauna every morning. And again, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that blue to black, right? Like, okay, it's hot as hell in here. It's getting difficult. I'm pouring, but I'm, I'm going into new territory. I haven't been here before. I'm doing it. It's great. It's good for my body. You know, I have a pulse meter in there. I put it on my index finger mm. and my heart rate's at 140 beats a minute. Wait a minute. I'm reading a book. I'm sitting in a sauna and I'm getting cardio. Do you know of anything in the world, big pharma, food, anything that could reduce overall mortality by 40% if you did it 19 minutes, four times a week. Goodness and gracious. It, no, not. And I'm a fitness instructor. I, I don't know. Sauna. I mean, maybe exercise sort of touches that, but I don't know. Sauna. Wow. The, so and those the Nordic countries sauna. know a little something, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No wonder they're the happiest people on the planet. I was in Denmark over the holidays and it was real. <laughs> These people were nice. They were trim. They were riding their bikes in the freezing cold uh -huh. rain and snow. And yeah. Everyone was in a good mood, it seems. So well, the doctor, sauna. <clears throat> yeah, the doctor I learned all the, the, the cold stuff from is a lady. She's actually from Sri Lanka, but she's She's she lives in Denmark and's done all her studies there, and and we're just scratching the surface. And this Indeed. is this is no pill. This is no side effects. This is you know. Anyways, um. So that's my that's that's kind of what I'm doing now. But I want to, you know, I'm very frustrated in that, and I'm sure you are too. In that, you know, how can we change the world? How can we make it better? How can we make people realize? 
you know, these non-renewable -re resources that you're buying at, at Costco and Walmart, you're, you're not paying for, and they're not going to be there anymore. And so what's going to happen to your children or grandchildren? And, 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 and how do we incorporate the true cost of, you know, shipping pickles from India or whatever it may be, uh, you know? So um, I, I want to change the world. I, I want localized regenerative agriculture to be doable. But right. and some people are doing it, but it's very, very hard. And you know, the, the ones that are really good, like White Oak Pastures up in Georgia. I mean, it's sure. it's a large farm. It's several thousand acres. And he's got a scale going and and a, a large capital investment. I, I was trying to avoid that. But, um, you know, the victory gardens we had during the war, you know, up to 40 percent of all produce was grown by you and me. I did not know oh. that. That's yeah, not so long ago. No, Victory Gardens, and and we did it, and it was healthier, it was local, it, less environmental impact. You know, like why can't we do that? You know, grass, lawns in America, you know, more resources are spent on a, on American lawns than any other agricultural industry in the world. We oh, put man. more we put more phosphates on lawns than the entire nation of India uses. I mean lawns yeah they're pretty but does that really make sense Gosh. like why and and and, and uh, another example i have it's it's it just uh, i love it it's you know um romaine lettuce or bib lettuce i use romaine lettuce so you know romaine lettuce is grown out in say california um monocultured you you, you plow the soil you fumigate it kills everything right it's completely sterile you plant your crops, you put plastic on it, you put down drip line irrigation, you irrigate and you spray and you probably spray once a week minimal. Um, then you harvest this romaine lettuce, chop it, you flash refrigerate it, you put it in a tractor trailer and drive it across the country, say to the uh, Collier County publics. And then they go in and buy it and they pay whatever four or five bucks for a couple things of romaine lettuce. And what did you get? You got 98% water, almost no nutrient density. And what did it cost? Which is a non-renewable, it's gonna be gone in about 20 years, the largest aquifer I think in the United States, a non-renewable resource um, or, you know, or, or all the pesticides, all the diesel fuel, all the labor, all the refrigeration, and you bought something that has no value. Certainly like, not what? to your body. Yeah. Or to what? Not the environment. No. So, uh, you know, there's things like that that um, really frustrate me that I wish people would. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. But I know what the problem is. I just don't know how to fix it. Well, it seems to me one simple way um, to at least start and as a, let's say you're a family and you're used to shopping at the Publix, I'm about two miles from one right now, <clears throat> is do some research as to who are your local farmers. So here on Marco Island, we have um, 
they're in Naples, but they come down to our farmer's market. It's Inyoni Organic Farm. So we do a farm share and it's a really cool thing because you give the farmer the money up front and then they will bring us the, the farmer's selection for the week. And it's, I like knowing who the farmer is and I also like playing with my kids. So I will buy a conventional tomato, cherry mm -hmm. tomato. And then I will put it on a plate next to, it's sort of like my old wine tasting days, blind tasting. This is blind tomato tasting. And mm -hmm. every time he will go to the organic local farm, if it's tomato, if it's whatever. Yeah. Um, and so he's a kid. He doesn't, it's a game to him, but it's, it's semi-fascinating to me. It shouldn't be, right? Because of course it tastes better. But I think the one, you know, the simple step someone could take is to know your local farmer. And so, you know, whoever is raising meat, eggs, I often drive up about an hour up to seed the table to get raw milk, which is not exactly a local farmer, but he's driving in to deliver it. You have raw milk too, don't you? You're a delivery site. So tell right. us about what you're a local farmer for, for some. So what do you have specifically that you are offering people who want to support this movement to know your farmer, support your community and the environment? Sure. So we have the, the, our primary product is the grass raised, grass finished, um, non, no antibiotic, no growth hormone uh, beef. And um, that's our primary product. It's, it's a different, it's a different animal, no pun intended in that it's much leaner. Yep. Um, we can't finish an animal in 16 or 17 months. It takes two years. Um, it, ha it's a much stronger flavor. Um, um, we like to dry age it when we can not wet age it. Like you'll find in, in all the supermarkets, our entire lives. Um, it's not as marbled. Um, so, uh, it, it's a different, it, it's what beef used to taste like. Um, um, and uh, it's a lot healthier. It has the uh, CLAs, the conjugated linoleic acids. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's grown, raised and harvested right, right here. And uh, then we have uh, seasonally, we used to do pork all the time, the uh, red wattles, which are a heirloom type pig. Um, and uh, pasture raised, and um, now we just do them seasonally, um, again because of the economics. And we don't do layers anymore. You know, with layers, <clears throat> you have to go out there minimum two times a day, whether you have a hundred layers or a thousand, and uh, it's about the same cost. And uh, again, another severe frustration on my part. You know, people can go into Walmart and buy like uh, 24 or 36 eggs for eight or nine bucks. And I mean, I can't raise a dozen eggs for eight or nine bucks. The, the pork, the chicken and the, the beef. And, and then we have, you know, all the cuts and, and uh, we like to have tallow and lard as much as we can, but sometimes we get it from the processor. Sometimes they don't get it for us. Um, and of course, bones um and awful um you know you know the whole nose to tail that's movement. organ meats y'all awful and it's not a-w-f-u-l yeah. it's <laughs> o-f-f-a-l and it's super nutrient dense and talk about a good um use of budget it's cheaper yes. usually than yes. other meat yes um and uh 
you know, the, uh, again, in nature, when you go out and, uh, you know, you, you hunt or you, you see nature in action, what's the first thing a coyote or a wolf or, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, goes after when they, when they kill their prey? They don't, they don't eat the shoulder or the hind. They, they, they go for the organs, the yeah. liver, the heart, you know, the brain, the lung. And, and then uh, often they'll leave. If they're satiated, they leave that for the, you know, whoever comes back, comes behind them. And, uh, you know, again, Lewis and Clark, when they would go out West, you know, they kill a caribou or something, depending on the time of season, if they were too lean, they wouldn't even eat them. They left them for the dogs. They didn't want them because yeah. it's all about the fat. That is where the energy is. That's where those fatty acids are. That that's where it, it's at. And, um, I don't, I don't know how we got so far off of that trail, but. Oh goodness. Um, I, I rip, a, <laughs> I rip a new one in my book regarding that trail. Yeah. <laughs> fat is where it's at y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the right kind of fat, of course. Right. Yeah. The right kind yeah. of fat. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, Tom, you have all these wonderful products. Y'all I have, when we left there, it was uh, with a, we had to go buy a cooler because we were staying in our RV and RVs are not known for um, for having a lot of space for anything. That's part of their charm. But we went and bought a cooler and filled it with ice and then drug it all home. And we do have dairy products. We partner with a, a dairy farm in, in North Florida. Um, and so we have raw milk, um, raw cheese, Gouda cheese. We have um, cod, raw cottage cheese, which is amazing. Butter um and uh sometimes butter um um ice creams um so uh i i can't like the cold plunge i can't overemphasize the benefits of raw milk and how frustrating it is that we have to get people to sign a document that says they're gonna it's for animal pet. use yes pet. Yeah. yes my my newfoundland drinks a lot of raw milk let me tell you <laughs> He's just a yeah. huge fan. He actually does like it, but I'm the one drinking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in Germany and uh, uh, in, in Western Europe, they actually have um, raw milk clinics to heal really? people of, you know, ulcerative colitis or, um, you know, leaky gut syndrome, you know, uh, autoimmune stuff. Yeah, clinics for raw milk. Yeah. Isn't that terrific? Well, and it, if y'all think about it, it makes sense, you know, for... For millennia, people have been, I think real milk really is what it is, non-denatured milk. The fact that we're doing all this ultra processing in the name of safety, you know, it's the same argument when it comes to harvesting animals, right? It's got to be safe. It's got to be in this huge um, yeah. <clears throat> facility, which that's just a means for control. That, that word yeah. safe is a trigger word for me because it usually yes. means there's something nefarious happening behind it. And you know, you're right, Dixie. Everyone is living out of fear, I'm finding. And they, they want to be safe. And, and you know, I, I take it to the nth degree. You want to be safe? You know, just go, go to jail. You'll get a cot and three square meals a day and you'll be safe. Is that really what we want? By by our controllers by our government you know govern manage meant mind to control us like no mm -hmm. i don't i'm a i'm a freedom fighter i i want independence i'm i'm a thoreau emerson uh guy uh, leave us alone we're, we're we're smart we know what to put in our mouths you got you have to tell me what i can put in my mouth 
rum, like you said, real milk was a thing forever until, you know, we started uh, industrialization and urbanization and, and we did not know. And so we got into trouble with bacteria and disease in urban and long-term non-refrigerated places. But that's all it was. It's not the milk. It's the, the method oh, of it's getting us. the milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As usual, right? I do right. like to, um, sometimes I just sit and I look at nature and it just so, I mean, we're surrounded by nature in Florida and many other places in our wonderful country, but I just look and I go, what other like species has trouble feeding itself? And it's just like the most basic thing for a life form. And yet we just screw it up. I mean, and, and yes, I understand from your point of view, from like a nourishment point, you know, how the you know, we have this gift of these animals that turn sunshine into protein, and then we're able to benefit from that. But I often say, look at a cow and go, they are so much smarter than we are. We're mm -hmm. just mucking up the basics. <laughs> they are. They are. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, you, you look at a, um, a predatory bird, like an eagle or a hawk, and we have a lot out here. And, you know, they know what to do. They're not starving. They're not fat. Nope. They're they not certainly don't have type two diabetes. You know, they're not eating seed oils, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, I, you're right. You're right. So um, back to you, do y'all ship or does one need to come to beautiful Pine Island, Florida? Well, um, again, that's one of our constraints. I mean, the beauty of Pine Island is it hasn't been developed yet, really. It's still mostly agriculture. It is natural. And it's, mm. and it's an island in the Gulf of Mexico on the same latitude as if you go to the East Coast, Palm Beach and Mar-a-Lago. So we have that benefit. If you go to the South, Santa Bell is completely built out, or it was before Ian. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, Boca, Boca Grande's to the north, and North Captiva is just a stone throw from the farm. So th this is like the last bastion. And what's beautiful is Cape Coral is just like unbridled growth. But you cross over Mat Lache and onto Pine, and it's like the Keys was... 40 years ago. It is going back in time. I love how yeah. chill the vibe is there. Yeah. But the constraint is it's on the way to nowhere, right? Like it's it's going down a dead end kind of. But um, yeah, we, we, we shipped in the beginning, you know, dried ice, FedEx, all that stuff. But um, again, we didn't have the scale for it or the labor or the time. And, and it kind of violated kind of one of my things was local. True. So you're a man who's true to his uh, integrity, I think. Well, I, I, I'm not doing this for the money. You know, I'm not. I'm trying to create a model that people will buy into, and 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 I failed, but I'm 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 still trying. And well, you're trying failing to... forward, I believe. So what <laughs> I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is that I need to get back in my RV and come on up to that campground. <laughs> and uh spend another weekend up there and for all y'all who like to uh travel and i feel like after being cooped up for a few years people are hot to travel trot um it sounds like a visit back in time to beautiful pine island uh mm -hmm. is is in order to go and check out pine shine 
farms. And I did want to tell you before I forget, I don't know if it's going to, yeah, there we go. You mentioned being a rebel. I don't know if you can read my tattoo. I see it, but I can't read it. So sign? it says rebel and it's spelled okay. with an extra L and E. That is what um, we named our <clears throat> deceased now chocolate Newfoundland. Aww. And uh, I wanted to get this tattoo ever since she passed away, but I just, something in me like a Southern girl and tattoos. Uh. Yeah. Um, but really I didn't have the, the, the draw. And when I finally decided to do it, uh, it doesn't just mean about my fabulous dog. It means much more. So it turned out I needed to have a more compelling reason to print that on myself. And it was this idea of, I am going to go literally against the grain and it's going to suck a lot of the time and I'm going to be called crazy and all of this stuff on a much smaller scale perhaps than you, but that's what I needed um, because to me, I get to choose what I consume with my body, my mind, and I will not let anyone force me to consume something I don't want to. So this this rebel tattoo stands for a lot more. It was birthed by the idea of this perfect chocolate Newfoundland, but uh, I, I think love, you know I what I'm what I, I mean that. there. So we're fellow yes. rebels. <laughs> yeah. Hey, in that vein, Dixie, I just want to mention because you spelled Please. rebel L L E like the Re feminine rebel. Yeah. One thing I've noticed in 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 my path, and especially. Um, it brought it to light over the weekend. Dr. McCola had a, a, a big gathering of folks at his headquarters in Cape Coral is oh. it was mostly the anti-vax thing, but um, what I've really noticed and, and in our society today, whether it's school boards or, or personal health or freedom, you know, who's leading the charge, not men, women oh, like you. Interesting. Well, it's women who are going to the school boards, it's women who are the anti-vaxxers who started the National Vaccine Information uh, Corp or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's it's women that have the courage to stand up and and rebel and contest and question the men. Uh, you know, um, I don't know if if it's a cultural thing or it's a, it's a toxin thing. <laughs> Endotoxins, <laughs> estrogenic environments. Yes. Yeah. The plastics <laughs> that are in our oceans and in our bloodstream and, uh, or if it's social media where, you know, you read like in Japan, they're not even interested in dating anymore. You know, you're 18 there years old. There's some really bizarre stuff going on. Yeah. So that. Uh, I just want to shout a shout out. I love strong women. And the, and the and the and the country they're the only ones standing up right now it seems like strong well on behalf of females everywhere thank you and we like yeah. strong men and uh, <laughs> especially those who raise amazing food that helps us all heal and become strong so thank you but i will share that the first thing i thought of when you said that is these are probably mama bears especially the ones that the uh you don't mess with mama bear <laughs> not out in, in the their, wild not at the school meeting <laughs> no it's in their dna it's, so there may be their... that may be sprinkled into it but um tom i just i appreciate what you're doing so much i loved um 
how you just you answered the questions and you went up into up into the sky and um it, you can just tell you have so much um passion for what you do and such a drive such a a you know it's I can almost feel the force and if y'all are watching on YouTube you see that he is wearing a shirt that says free but if you're not I just want to point this out and if you're watching you also see that Tom looks like he might be a competitive bodybuilder so I have to ask <laughs> from a fitness instructor to someone who looks like he could you know lift and bench press a cow like what are is this all from um, work in the land or are you no, no. a fitness competitor? <laughs> Actually, my, my physical duties on the farm are, are kind of minimal as of late as I as I pivot into try to figure out what my next path is. But we have a CrossFit club on the farm. Ah. Up front, we have a container and, and CrossFit stuff. And uh, every day at 5 p.m., we, we do CrossFit up front. And then um, I do, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a longevity uh, biohacker yeah. freak. And uh, um, have you ever heard of True Diagnostic, Dixie? No, do tell. They do a, they do a DNA methylation test to, to determine your biological age. Oh boy, um, truth which, test. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and they also have a, a metric that determines your rate of aging. And so my biggest takeaway from my last True Diagnostic is I'm, I'm 61 but I'm 44, Whoa. I'm 44 biologically and I am um, aging according to them and their metrics and their algorithms. I'm aging for every year. I'm aging um, about a half, a little less than a half a year. Whoa. So what you're doing, everything you said, um, you know, getting rid of uh, seed oils, you know, rest and recovery, sunlight, know. exercise, uh, nutrient dense, all that stuff. Um, it's work. It works. It works. True. Well, you are, you're, you're living proof. If y'all are listening on, um, Apple, Spotify, et cetera, just pop over to YouTube and check them out. Cause this dude does not look 61. Well, that's cause I have seven daughters. That's uh seven daughters. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> we still got that smile. Thank you so much, Tom. It has been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you. Next time my family and I are up there, I hope we will have uh, more chance to discuss. So thank you well, so much. Thanks for considering me, Dixie. It's an honor.